Okay. Um, is there any planning commissioners online? No, we had one. Brian. Brian dropped off. And he dropped off. Okay. The best of mine? Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. No. Um, again, for the record, Peter Patton, Patton Associates, Jim Gaffleton, uh, Gales, Barbara, and Ross are here. And Mark Fisher, their attorney, is also here. And Gail, he will have a couple of comments about the, the CDOT agreement um, as part of the presentation. Um, hey, Alan, you told me this before. Can I test Okay, a little background. Um, everybody knows the Tacoma store. Um, it's been around since 38 when the building was moved to its current location. Uh, there's, there's quite a bit of history with the property, uh, including the Some of the activities, the store, I mean, obviously serving the motorists on 131, uh, paved in 1970. But the store, uh, obviously, has groceries, uh, the fuel, ice cream, liquor, and meat processing are some of the, the different uh, offerings and, and, and businesses that are.
uh, from that 25% open space requirement that includes public access. Um, now, is there 25% open space on the property? Absolutely. <laughs> but we don't want to get into this public access thing and, and designating a part of the site as 25% open space. So we're, we're asking for that as part of this is the actual kind of uses and dimensional standards in the code uh, for the PUD. Um, so the uses, convenience stores, with gasoline sales, that's, this is pretty much on the left, it's language that uh, I took out of the code as much as possible. That's the language out of the code. Um, so eating and drink, drinking establishment, um, that's the historical use for the food service, which is again, mostly ice cream. It's not a restaurant or anything like that. Meat processing facility, which of course relates to the hunting uh, clientele. Uh, truck and trailer rental, there's an existing U-Haul rental on the site. Uh, they have a dwelling unit as part of the attached to the store. It's a three bedroom apartment. Um, so obviously we want that to continue. The liquor store is, is there in the, in the store and accessory uses and structures to all the above. And then the dimensional standards, um, uh, the structure height is 40, which is the same as the current zoning structure, which of course is higher than the store now, but the structure setbacks, uh, 10 foot for the existing store, that's because that's the existing situation. And if anything new goes in 20 feet, uh, and then the side and rear, 20. Um, so now uh, I wanted to discuss, uh, first of all, I want Mark to come up and address uh, condition of approval number 13, which is the CDOT lease agreement. Thank you, Peter. I've not been before the commission. This is the planning commission for 2020. Barb Fisher, I represent Yale Enterprises and Russian Barbara. And I was actually helping uh, the Gales in 2003 when they negotiated this lease. Um, on April 5th, 2005, I have a copy of the lease. The lease provided for paragraph 14, a holdover provision, like any, like many leases, it's for a term of years, but if you keep paying your monthly rent, according to the lease, it becomes a month to month tenancy and the rent to be paid by the lessee that details during the continued occupancy and at the same rental rate, and all the rental payments have been made. So I tried to contact CDOT to confirm this. After four phone calls, I finally got a call back only to be told that for even the Gales to talk to CDOT, we have to go through the attorney general's office and submit a formal CORA request on a document that they're part of. So I can tell you as my legal opinion, this is a valid lease still in effect, but it's gonna take me a couple of weeks through the attorney general's office and the formal court request to get 
communication from them, hopefully a letter from them, confirming the payments and the validity of the current lease. Thank you. Uh, so the, the, the final two conditions there um, speak to outdoor storage. Um, there are some items stored on the site you can see in the photos. Um, so we uh, passed out a proposal to you. Um, They're very uh, so to address that, we would agree to a revised condition of approval 14 that essentially would take all the items that are west and south of the store and take them off the site or relocate them to the uh, U Haul area. Do you have a easier explain? I mean, uh, so we can see the upper part of the site. There. No, that's fine too. Okay, so this is the area where most of the items are. Okay, if there's some stuff here, that's pretty easy cleanup. Uh, but these are these are some pretty major items: uh, the meat processing trailer, the, the the storage, and these are items. The reason we're excluding those is those are kind of part of the business here, okay? Um, these are the metal storage containers. These are the, uh, this is the trailer for meat processing. We would, uh, and then this is a, literally a house with a garage, okay? Obviously very difficult items to move. But everything else, there's an RV here, there's, there's just miscellaneous items as, as Alan's pictures are showing. Uh, we would take and clean up this whole area and, and move it into the U-Haul area, which is here. So it'd be well back from the highway back in this area, um, or it, depending on how the dealers want to, to do specific, specific items, it, it may be moved completely off site. Um, so we would agree to that, and, and, and we don't believe there's any real screening or anything necessary because these items are going to be uh, well off of the, the, the highway, the, the travel path of the highway. So we would do that uh, cleanup prior to uh, recording the PUD plan. So, my last slide is just thank you for your time and consideration. <laughs> um, that, that's, that concludes our presentation. I'm sure. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. So 
Yeah, Peter did a good job explaining the history and that currently is operating under the legal non-conforming grandfathered status. And uh, they were not able to provide proof of continuous operation for the gas pumps. And so that, uh, that legal non-conforming grandfathered use went away. And so we were approached a couple of years ago about what would be the best way to get that back. There was a discussion between the commercial zone district and the PUD zone district. And it was staff's opinion that the PUD was the most appropriate because when you, the commercial zone district has a lot of uses by right that would not be appropriate on this site. And the PUD requires review and approval by the county for each specific use. So staff determined that that was the best way to move forward. And so that's where we are today. This is a conceptual and final PUD that are being heard concurrently. So uh, this is going to be a recommendation to the Board of County Commissioners who will make the, the final decision on this application. So just to orient, uh, 131 is to the south of the property. County Road 6E is on the east side of the property, kind of in the more in the central eastern side. The store is 10 feet from the property line, which is also the edge of the right-of-way, and the gas pumps are in the right-of-way, and Mr. Fisher has addressed the, the lease with CDOT on that. Um, and based on the close proximity of the store to the right-of-way, it's estimated that only three or four vehicles could completely pull off of the highway and onto the, the Gales property. So because of the historic nature of the operation and the lack of impact on the goals and policies of the master plan, this application appears to be in compliance with the master plan. Uh, staff also determined that the PUD standards H through L are not applicable because this is to formalize an existing use and no development is proposed. Uh, the standards H through L address clustering of housing, residential density, density of uses other than residential, mixed uses, and architecture. And so, again, because this is to formalize the existing use of no new development, those standards are not applicable. Uh, as far as the zone change goes, staff believes that the proposed zone change is in compliance with the zone change standards found in Chapter 8. Uh, this use provides for the continuation of a demonstrated community need. And since this use has been in existence for such a long time, it contributes to the character of the community. And so just to uh, clear up what type of food service would be allowed, um, it's going to be limited to convenience store type food. And if any other type of restaurant or something more than just convenience store type food is desired, they would need to come back and go through the conceptual PUD and final PUD process. And so some of the issues for discussion uh, include, the first one I'd like to discuss is signs. So the applicant measured all the signs that are on the property and they measured 231 square feet. Staff suggests that these signs be allowed to remain with an allowance to increase this square footage by 20% to 
without having to officially amend the PUD. How many signs constituted the 231 square feet give or take? What was like 10 or 12? I mean, it was everything from little Coors Light signs to telephone signs to stop here for the bathroom. So things that you would typically see associated with a convenience store. And so I did not get that 231 square foot number until after the staff report went out. And so there is a blank in condition 7H that references the existing square footage of size. So that 231 number needs to be plugged into that condition of approval. Um, another issue that was raised is should additional parking be provided to allow more cars to be able to safely pull off the highway onto the applicant's property. And Peter addressed number uh, conditions of approval number 13 and 14. Those conditions were included as a starting point for the discussion around cleanup of the site, outdoor storage, and screening. And the condition that Mr. Patton proposed and passed out earlier this evening, we have no problem with, with what is proposed there. Um, I would I would not consider the shipping containers in the 18 wheeler as being outdoor storage. Um, those are more along the lines of structures and so wouldn't be subject to the, to the outdoor state, outdoor storage standard. And with the, what is proposed with this number 14, um, unless you want to discuss it more, staff is okay with this. Um, and then I think number, so in Mr. Patton's letter that was passed out, it says because the location of the outdoor storage is somewhat behind the store, not adjacent to Highway 131, no screening is proposed. Uh, staff would just like to hear planning commission's opinion on whether any screening should be required. Uh, if you look up at the look up at the screen there are two structures down here that uh, blocks the view to this is the area that they're proposing for the outdoor storage this is the area for the u-haul truck and trailer storage as well and so with and then there's a bunch of trees right here the gas tanks are right in this area so there's a bunch of trees right here so with the, the existing store and the existing structures on the other side of County Road 6E, uh, staff would like your opinion on whether any screening should be required. Um, two other things that came up since the staff report got published, uh, the applicant is delinquent on payment of the personal property taxes. And so, a condition is, is suggested that would require them to pay this before the PUD plan is reported. And then also County Road 6E right here, these parcel layers, you can faintly see them, these orange lines, these are incorrect. And the property line actually runs more right here. And I've spoke to GIS about it, and they are working to 
correct it, but they still need some more information from the surveyor to be able to correct it. And so the county, when it comes, the county is very protective of their county roads. And in situations like these where, or so Road Bridge did their research, they were not able to find a road mirrors report, they were not able to find any deeds that accepted out the right of way for County Road 16. It has been plowed by the county for as long as the district foreman down there can remember. So the county has a prescriptive easement over, over the Gales property for County Road 16. And when it, in a prescriptive easement, it's just, I've used it for 18 years, therefore I get to continue to use it. There's no documentation that it is a prescriptive easement, it's just allowed because it has been. Uh, the county really doesn't like that. We want things that say, yes, we have this easement, we have a right to this right of way. And so there is an additional condition of approval that is suggested requiring an easement to be dedicated to the county. And that would be a separate document that would get recorded along with this PUD plan. And then there would be a note on the PUD plan that would reference that recorded document. Uh, those are all of the comments I have for now. I'll be available for questions. The Gales are aware of the easement issue? I just made them aware of that this afternoon or today. Because we didn't Fair know way. what the, there was still research that had to be done by the Road and Bridge Department to determine whether they did have an easement or if it had been called out in deeds and that research was not completed until today. So question, Alan, what did they conclude exactly? That there's no road viewers report. It's not accepted out in any of the deeds. Um, so it is a prescriptive easement. Great, because there's 2001 survey that I submitted there's a label that points to the road that says there's a recorded easement, but it doesn't get booked a page. So there still may be a recorded easement. We can work on that with Bear and your GIS guys. So I'm going to put that survey up on the screen so everybody can see it. So it's really hard to see. Over. Yeah. Right there it says no. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't read it correctly. No. It says no. Lost the door. Pardon me. <laughs> I, so have, I had a blurry JPEG, uh, so it says no recorders. Right. So what's really been going on is 6E for however long you want to grab, at least in part, has been on the Gales property. Is on the Gales property. Has been. Is it's, continues to be. Yeah. You can see it there. That's a correct survey. Yeah. Yeah. So, I see the one. Yeah, so the here's 60 right here. Here's the, the two edges of it. And that, that road intersects 131 to the west, 134 to the east, correct? 6E runs into 6, yep. which then runs into 134 and 131. Well, you could abandon 6E. 
county's prairie protected with their county roads. We gave Green Creek a county road that was a driveway. Uh, we gave them the county road up to the intersection with Pleasant Valley. We abandoned that road because it just functioned as a driveway. Yeah, it was it's the access point to Catamount and to the county. We, we, we abandoned the whole thing and said they could put in a gate at the intersection. But it wasn't, we didn't determine that it was a driveway, we just determined that. It was a roadway that only served these two private entities and was not really a public, didn't serve the public benefit in any way, shape, or form. I'd make an argue that this road, I guess it's convenient. Like I like, I use it when I cut up to go up to Green Creek, but there's two other ways to get to the same point. I don't know that it's a necessary thing to protect or to spend money on plowing because you're basically plowing that kind of for that use only. Because they shut it off in the wintertime, like you can't, you can't get up there at all. Have so I'll pass your comments on the public works. Sure. I was going to say, wouldn't this be that be a topic for separate event in time? Yeah, I think. But I think your point is valid. I don't care. Gotcha. Um, I think I heard you say this. I want to make sure I heard it right. The tanks are in place. Yes. Fuel tanks. Yes. Okay. And then the right of way of 131 is at 100 foot. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, I think it's 100. So I, not right. Yeah. yeah. It, would, it would make sense. I'm just not. I think it's 100. Um, I do have another question back up in the county road. We're pretty okay. informal here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, how wide an easement would the county want? I think the, the condition of approval does not state what the width of it is, but we can figure that out. We can figure that out later. Well, okay. I was about to say, it, it, conceptually, we have no problem with that condition. But if, if the easement becomes so wide, it starts to take away use of their property, then that becomes a problem. I, Understandable. But again, I think that's a topic for a different time and place. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then here's where I'm going. So 131 could be 24 feet wide. I just I just yeah, clicked it off. I just clicked it off a GIS and it's 55 feet yeah. wide, which is very better for a highway right away. No, the pavement. The pavement is only one. Yeah. All I'm doing is trying to figure out from center line of 131 to let's just call it the front of the building. Literally, how many feet are there? I mean, people have been parking there for years, and I don't know if that's been an issue. I'm just trying to understand. Here. Put that survey back. Uh, that shows it. So you yeah, like center line to left? Well, what I if if I know the width of 131, the pavement, I can do the math if it's 100 foot right away. And assuming that it's in the middle, right? <laughs> Sometimes not. I mean, as I as I said, these parcel lines are off. Yeah. According okay. to GIS, but just, but the aerial is correct. So if we click off the, the center line to the base, 59, 60 feet. Well, then it could be a 60 foot right away. 
So, and if you got 12 feet of lane, that 18 feet of shoulder, for lack of a better term, probably. Did my math right? The survey back up. Yeah. Yeah. Plus or minus. Hmm? Plus or minus. Yeah. Again, so just in the middle. Yeah, you look at the scale, you use the scale of the vehicle, that's the variable. Okay, I'm going to try to read the survey correctly this time. Yeah. Right away in the hundred. Oh, first state highway plans. That's the north line determined from the north trans Canada and, and fit the center line of the existing fixed highway. So that's a hundred. And I'm pretty sure this is 10. Yeah, that makes that 60 makes that that makes sense that plus or minus 50 from the center line to the edge of the right away the, the, the building is structure is set 10 feet back from that you measure 60 feet it's close you know good portions of hand grenades um and for the guest attorney you this lease with the with C dots been in place for how long? 2005, so 16 years plus. And that's a lease for the developed space on within the right of way, or is it a lease for the entire length of the right of way? What does that lease actually entail? The property owned by the Gales, and so that they can, because the gas pumps are in the right of way. Right away, so they can continue to run that gas operation. But, but what are you leasing from CDOT? The, right entire, the entire property or no. just the right way? Just use of the right way. Yeah, just. Rust indicates the lease is from the shed, so that may what I would consider the south end, all the way up to where those storage sheds are on the map. Yeah. That yeah. whole kind of frontage area. Okay. And we have a condition that conditions that's going to be renewed or at least determined to be valid. Uh, yeah. Okay. Commissioners, any questions for the petitioner? I have one. Rick, um, more for staff than uh, the petitioner. Uh, so there's only one. I, I know in the city that uh, engineering and public works is very, uh, have a great importance for access. And I would imagine the state does too. So is there only one access and that's right towards the pumps? on 131 and there is no access on 6E to the U-Haul trucks or anything. So basically the only place that has any kind of access for the residential or anything like that is that paved little area, that 10 foot uh, area next to the store. Is that correct? Uh, so I'm gonna share this area photo again. So you can you can see how it's 
right? There's pavement from here all the way to here. And so you can pull off the highway at any location. Obviously, that would not be allowed today if this were a new development, but it's a historical use and historical access. So it's just remained as is. And the state's all right with that as an access that they I they didn't comment on it. They provided comments about the lease, but didn't say anything about the size of that access. And then there is an access off the 60 right here for the for the trailers and the trucks and everything. Okay. So if there was extra parking, we could put it more up towards the U-Haul area. Public Works would be fine with that. There's already established access right there as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, is there any problem with the parking on the other side of the highway? There's a lot of horses on that parking. So. I mean, that is outside of the scope of this, outside of the boundaries of this PUD, so really can't be taken into consideration. I'm just curious if there's any reason why I think Linda was asking why. I'm just curious why if one light pole has an opaque covering, one doesn't. Is it possible to put an opaque covering on the pole that's identified as the immediate least of the storm? So are you talking about the not downcast and opaquely shielded light pole there? The light pole that, yeah, is not opaquely shielded. I think um, you identified it. So going off of anecdotal evidence, uh, that's YBEA's pole. It's not, it's YBEA's pole. It's not the Gale's pole. And oh. this is just going off of Tegan in our office, she has one of these on her property. And she said it took them years for YBA to do anything about it because it's YBA's pole that they installed for the landowner, but the landowner pays the electricity for it. So if that is a similar situation to this one, I don't know if there's much that we can do about it. Okay. Answers the question. Thank you. Um, at this point in time, I'd like to open it up to the public for any comments or questions they may have. The silence appears to be deafening. Looks like the horns are saying no. Okay. Uh, hearing none, we'll close the public portion of the panel of those proceedings. Uh, Steve, yes. I've got conditions of approval that need to be looked at. Oops. 
So again, so the ones that are highlighted, so I change number 14 to reflect the language that was proposed earlier. 15, 16, and 17 were just uh, back pocket conditions in case y'all wanted to include them, exclude them, make changes to them. So I 18 and 19 are the ones that address the personal property taxes and the easement for 6E. So I think really the only ones that need to be addressed are 15, 16, and 17, if you decide they are, should be included. Um, I want to be sure of a couple of things. The petitioner is aware of condition number 18. Yes. And the petitioner is aware of condition number 19. Is there okay? Yeah. Um, Commissioners, let's talk just briefly about we have four items of discussion of which I believe one's been addressed. Sorry? No, go ahead. Uh, the first one is number one has really been addressed by 14. There is 14, and that's been Fixed, so to speak. Uh, the next item is should additional parking area be required to accommodate additional parking and to safely get vehicles off the highway? I don't know. I, I, I wrote myself a note for the past 40 years, I think it's been working. But right now they're proposing two required parking spaces. Is that correct? Or is there more? Is it two required parking spaces that they're proposing, or how many are they proposing? Uh, none were identified. Uh, that number, that two number, came from our parking standards that are in the zoning regulations. Since this is a PUD, the PUD does not require strict compliance with the zoning regulations. But staff use that as a basis for comparison. So if this were coming through. If it were zoned commercial and it's coming through a site plan review, two parking two parking spaces is what would be required for that site plan review. But again, since it's a PUD, you have flexibility in what what to require. Comments, commissioners, on that? I'm just curious in light of Greg's question about there being additional access, what is the U-Haul storage area off of six E? Is it possible to, since it's not too far off of 131, to actually direct that additional parking is available there? Or is that going to be, is that so off limits that it would not work well to allow? You know, I just think like during hunting season, you wind up with several people um, wanting to pull off there. Personally, I think that that would be an acceptable location because that's where the trucks and the trailers are being stored and it's probably surfaced in such a way to support vehicular traffic. So I think that would be, that could be a workable solution. Uh, I would be interested to hear what the Gales have to say about it. Well, 
So are you proposing that they build, they construct a parking lot back there rather than just allow parking on the, the current situation? I'm looking at it just from the standpoint that this is what you're yeah, it's worked as as Steve said, it works fine now. I do not see that traffic on 131 is going to decrease over time. It's only going to increase over time. And particularly given that the fuel pumps are so close to the highway, and that's not going to change. Let's assume C dot and the lease continue on. Uh, you're also not going to move the storage tanks. Those are the kind of things that are given. Um, I just look at this and get worried about what happens when you have you know, somebody at the fuel fuel pumps getting gas and people need some place to get their vehicle. Uh, well, it sounds like there's enough space now. I'm just wondering. If needed, um, the Gales are, are willing to make that area available for parking if it's needed. And it's an all-weather surface. I mean, obviously, if they're having a business out of there, so yeah. it's already conducive. So you I think so they need to pave it and light it and thank all you. that. That's just, where I was going. Yeah, I, I was just inquiring: is are are you able to use it in that regard? If well, the increase of traffic yes. does occur, yes, is it something that is available, or is it something that has to be? public has to be kept out of because of no. the U-Haul agreement or something like that. They're willing to make it available for overflow parking if necessary. Okay. We're not willing to construct an asphalt no. parking lot. Back no, there. I don't think that's needed. Okay. I just wondered if overflow can, can go there or if there's a reason they can't. How are your drafting skills? Um, I would say pretty good. I would think so too. Put those conditions back up there. Yeah, find a place for it. Starts off with the event, right? Yeah, I think that would be appropriate. If the need arises for overflow uh, parking, the access off of County Road 6E is available. Something to that extent. I mean, do you want that as a condition, or can we just have the record show? Because I don't even think you need it as a condition. I don't think so. Like, yeah. if yeah. CDOT doesn't have an issue with the parking yeah. on the highway, then <laughs> that kind of speaks for itself. I think they would have commented on that if they had an issue with it. Um, I will say, having a friend who owns a retail business, I've advised him many times that. The more parking you have, the more customers you can have. It's a very simple mathematical formula that equates to increased revenues. Um, but I don't know that it's it's necessary that we address it. I don't think it's an all-weather surface. I think it's basically part of the lot that's just been parked on for 70 years. Well, but based on condition 14, there's some reconfiguration going on. They're moving also, things around, but they're not they're not proposing to even gravel the space. It's just going to be reorganized and 
and catching up a little bit. Does that use does the U-Haul use need an all-weather surface? <laughs> and it hasn't up until this point. Yeah, I mean that's kind of like if this was a new development, I think we would have a much different stance on that particular portion of the application since it's bringing an existing use into legal conformance is basically what the PUD is going to be used for in this process. I, I'm, I would tend to lean towards just letting them continue with their use as is. All right. I'm not doing any condition, but the record reflects. Linda, is that cool? Yeah. I am sure should the truck and trailer storage area be screened to reduce the visual impact. As a starting point, staff suggests that this area be screened. Again, if it was a new development, I would absolutely require it. Existing use, I don't know if it's necessary to put that on there. I would agree. Um, the character would be changed. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna delete number 15 then. Perfect. To me, though, I do like that it is in that one location instead of having yeah. it sprawled. And I think that's what's kind of the, what ha has happened is that it just kind of sprawled too much. If it's contained into the area that we've already have established, I'm pretty comfortable with it. But I want to avoid that sprawl. And with this, I think that's going to uh, limit it to that one area. Okay. And then the, are you comfortable with the sign provision, which I think in effect takes existing signs for footage, kicks it up by 20%? I think some of those signs could be called uh, decorations <laughs> versus actual signage, or does it doesn't make any distinction between? Well, it gives them the benefit yeah. that way. I mean, I well, I think to, to Alan's point, it's allowing for fuel pricing. It's probably the biggest thing. Yeah, well, and I'm, I have no problem with the increase. It's again one of those things that oftentimes when I drive by the Tacoma store, I can't tell if it's open or closed. And I like the store a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of character. Um, it's been a unique part of the county for a long time. Um, but being able to have additional signage that might show you know, the status of being open could, again, it's one of those things that from a business standpoint, but we're not in the business to tell them how to do that. Exactly. What about lighting for science? Is there any kind of restrictions or anything that's like downcasted lighting, no neon, or anything like that that we need to kind of think about? That's so that does exist in our sign code. No up lighting, no neon lighting, no movable signs. Uh, again, it's a PUD, so you can require. You can limit that, but you can also allow that because it's a PUD. Now, a neon open sign does not count against that, correct? I think that would be considered like a window sign and would be considered exempt. But I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. You couldn't do, you, you could do a rabbit ear sign. And <laughs> uh, yeah. Not, not in the county. Interesting. I don't think in the city either. I think you're correct. It's existing legal black and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's about as, as original as it gets. Yeah. 
My sense is the sign language is fine. Yeah, sure. So with that, are there any more questions for staff or the petitioner? Alan, do you need two separate motions for the conceptual and the final? Uh, no, this is being processed as one motion. <clears throat> and remember, this is a recommendation. And then, do you want to post those conditions so we're all clear? Uh, yeah, please. So 14 is the new one. 15 and 16 are just renumbered because of. So 14 is Peter's language? Yes. It is. <clears throat> Mr. Chairman? Yes, sir. I'd like to, in the matter of TPL 21 152, conceptual file plan unit development for a general store, recommend approval with recommend approval to the board with findings of fact one through three as written and general conditions one through 16 as amended. We have a motion on TPL 21-152. Might there be a second? Second. Thank you, Linda. Discussion on the motion. Hearing none, all those in favor of the motion as presented, signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed say no. Chair votes yes. Approved. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Or you guys getting that gas back in there. <laughs> so next item on the agenda. Christy, I believe it's you. Yes. Um, um, so I initially had, thanks. Um, I had asked Keith from Sushi Terrell to join the call, thinking that we were going to have. Other planning commissioners here that were not at the meeting. That didn't work. Just for a um, an introduction. Yeah, exactly. I just saw this is our core group, right? Yeah, it's a it's a core group. So yeah, um, Sarah did provide minutes. I um, from that meeting, but you were all there, so you know what happened. Um, with that, um, I wanted to share with you uh, the next steps that we had blocked off the week of October 11th um, for 
community outreach. We are looking, as we had mentioned, to schedule meetings um, geographically throughout the county, and that we will be um, tasking all of you um, to be in attendance at various meetings throughout the county. For example, South Route obviously would be <laughs> Steve and Linda, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> Andy and Bill, um, North, obviously, we would have Steve and Roberta, uh, Steve, Greg, and Linda. Looks perfect. Yeah. So many right here. Um, not to say that if you weren't interested and we needed more bodies that you couldn't attend others, but that's more than like what we spoke about, about how we would um, test. Are these going to be Zoom or in person or what, or both? They're going to be in person. Okay. A favor? Yeah. Push the North route early. Okay. Like be one of the first. Uh, early in the week or time wise? Yes, both. Both. Okay. We can do that. We might even, um, we're talking about with the schedule and what we're trying to accomplish. We may even um, do one during the day if possible. Um, so I'm, I'm hearing up north during the day if possible. Sure. Well, we're tired up there anyway. <laughs> so, um, Connect One is working through um, trying to find locations. We gave them a bunch of suggestions, um, and they are coordinating that all as we speak. There was a lot of I was requests, just if at all possible, let's do before the 13th. So that's three days worth. I can swim day, evening, or go back break. But before the 13th, I'm here? Yeah, so 11, 12, or 13, if at all possible. Me first. Me first. Wait a minute. Me first. <laughs> and and that goes for you also, Steve. Um, early. Yeah, I'm trying to leave the 13th. Actually, I'm going to be gone until the 9th. So you have the 10th <laughs> to the 13th. There you go. <laughs> so earlier in the week for you too, huh? Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> there. So sorry. There was That's a lot the advantage of, of being here is we get to tell Christy these things. Yeah. Tell her. Everybody exactly. Can show hey, you guys get priority. Restaurants can be mad. <laughs> there was um, a lot of comments from the board BOC about the true success being measured in community buy-in. Mm -hmm. I agree with that statement from a conceptual and utopian ideal. The reality is, is that history has shown us that you really struggle to get people to show up. And in all reality, it's probably 20 people who actually contribute to the overall document in the end. But it goes about people who actually stick through the process and are continually involved. And so I'm wondering if, since all three commissioners spoke out about that, if they would have some input into what metric they would use to measure the success of an outreach program. Because we already considered the responses that we got back as successful being in that there was more than we would typically see. Right. But those responses were like super low as a as an overall demographic of the population. Yeah. We didn't get a 50% response rate. But you would stretch the imagination. But you didn't. Uh, that, and that's my point. Yeah. But there was a lot of each commissioner didn't answer the question that they were asked about what they think is important in the document. 
They talked about this community buying. No, no, I disagree. I think I think the question was not what is success of the document. The question was what is the success measure of the process. Yes. Well, no, the, that's those are two different. Those the are two the different question, things. well, the question that they were posed is what what is important to them in the document. No, it was about the process. No, it's about the process. Maybe. And I can tell you, I had a follow up conversation with each commissioner, and. Um, and I can tell you what is important to them, their main objective is to have as much outreach as possible. They want to hear from the, not our usual suspects, not our, we know what Fed Bell wants. We know what yeah. the, you know, the 20 people that you're suggesting that, you know, we can expect. They want, and this is why, you know, when we went through the RFP process, we were really looking for a strong outreach team. You know, and see, and Cushing Terrell partners with Connect One, who's there, and like this is what they specialize in, and this is what you know we were really looking for because this is going to be important. You know, whether the plan ends up looking very similar is is fine if that's what we hear yeah, from the community, absolutely. and you know, and based on our initial outreach, as you know, I think we can expect. It's, it, it really isn't going to change, but we haven't really tapped into the entire community. When we did our initial outreach, that was through surveys and through really small sub area uh, specialty meetings that we had. We didn't do big community outreach. So we're really relying on you know, our professionals to help gather and bring in you know, the people we don't typically hear from because we want to either validate what we previously heard <coughs> or consider other ideas. The challenge, the challenge I think we've always found is, is that at events like within a courthouse or within our standard meeting, we don't get a lot of people showing up unless it's something they're personally involved with. Yeah, outreach, yeah. I think, has to like they got to advertise. It has to be different. It's advertising. Well, I still think if they you have if beer and food, people will show up. Yeah, no, I mean, daycare. Daycare. Yeah. You have so, so we things. are. Those are the things we're talking about. So daycare is one of them, actually, where um, we want to have daycare provided that you you can come and not have to worry about you know your kids right. and right. Um, we also are thinking about all the different dynamics and channels people like to communicate through. You know, your 30-somethings are going to use Facebook. Your 20s and younger are going to use Instagram and, and what have you. The older population still likes the paper, you know? Um, and so, <laughs> you know, and so these are all the things we're thinking about and different kinds of venues. So although we're trying to do a big community event and we're going to them, in addition to that, we're also going to look to do smaller meetings that are more focused on specific themes that we can expect, you know, somebody like Lynn Holiday, who is really into water or some, you know, when we have a meeting on historic preservation, that really matters to certain people. And we also know who that target audience is. We can reach out to them. Um, so that is the idea. And I know that is a priority of the commissioners. Um, and, and frankly, it sh that, that should be our priority too, that we get, you know, we have a product in the end that is a true community's plan. You know, that, that we're hearing, you know, 
what they have to say and we are addressing it you know so um, i think that's going to be really important for this process um, the commissioners are not interested in trying to direct or dictate how this process goes that is simply what is important to them so i just want to clear that air because as we all know you know this has been contentious for quite some time you know leading up to this point but i think it was the messaging frankly coming from filtered through you know we had chad we had dan you know we had carrie you know there were all these players and it was mixed messaging that you weren't hearing directly from the commissioners themselves we were that was all filtered through other people i mean we dealt with it on staff too yeah, you know, the buy-in aspect of it is important. Again, if we don't get community buy-in just because it's hard to engage people, I don't think that necessarily invalidates the work that's going to be done anyway. Like I, I, no, I, I, I just would like more... to find a metric that would actually garner success. Like I think you can. I think it's one of those things you'll know when you see it. Yeah. I don't think yeah. that you can say this many people or this many responses. I think it has to be that you see what you have and you say, is this enough? Yeah. I also I, mean, I don't think it's a thing that you can establish until you until you I can also tell you to get Sarah's point though. I mean, also it's not just gathering people in a room. You know, the, the the biggest criticism for the leadership summit, and I have to agree with that, is that you know the bulk of that community input and that um, uh, just the discussions back and forth when we were at our roundtables. You know, it was really cut short, and that really was should have been the focus right. rather than or could the have been the focus. Again, I thought the TED Talk thing was interesting. There was a lot of good information. I'm not saying it wasn't interesting. But I the agree second with half you. could have been, or it could have been five to ten, or it could have just should have been two separate Talks events. Two separate right? events. So I mean, so going into it, <clears throat> I think it's also the kind of meeting we're going to have. And this is something I've been working with Cushing Terrell about is we don't want to just do a dog and pony show. Like we need these to be effective. You know, these meetings, we need to get good information. And even if we don't get the community input we're looking for, we need to dive deeper to the data, you know, the, the demographics, the, the information from the census, you know, we, we did a high level GIS, you know, review. But we really need to dial more deeply into all of this to then confidently say, this is what we heard. But in the interim, let's let Cushing Terrell do what they do. Yeah, hell yeah. <clears throat> um, but I do think, and this is something we talked about again with Sarah, who said it so well, is I think that to the extent that we can in setting up these community meetings provide a concise explanation of the master plan that would be very helpful so that people can actually read that as they come in to the meeting and get an understanding of oh they're not reworking the whole thing or i think people get very spooked that there's some major you know, government overtaking, you know, something going on. Well, out I don't there. even think, I mean, I think that there's a whole lot of new residents in Rock County, particular, that don't even have a clue what a master plan is, exactly. or even that there is one right now. 
Yeah. And so I think that, that part of the education isn't just like what it's going to be, but it has to be, this is why the county looks the way it is. And that's why we're here is to figure out whether you guys want it to look us some other way. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because people don't understand how the master plan functions to direct that whole way the county looks to feel. Which is a measure of success of the document in general. It's one of those things right, that hides in the background. It's working so well that people don't even know it exists. Well, that, there was just something on NPR about climate scientists and how they could better communicate their information. The overwhelming feedback was that instead of using, I'll put into quotes, big words, because to me, they're just vocabulary I was taught as a youngster. People today have become so uneducated that they require five to seven words to explain what most people understand. Educated people understand is one word. I think that's what you have with the master plan. They, like you said, they get spooked by it. Yeah. Like it's this big thing that they don't know when it's really a very simple document that um, has worked well in the past and we've all reaffirmed that repeatedly. We've, yeah. we've reaffirmed repeatedly that this is not a rebuild, that this is just tightening it up we've, over and over. That's been the common message. But again, that's Cushing's responsibility. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, this is your views and to live this point, you know, which, you know, you had mentioned what you have heard from your, your circle of your network and that it's fine the way it is and they don't want it, to, you know, your friends or your network doesn't want the master plan to change. And they are, you know, maybe they have, there's fear in that. And then Andy, you know, I think planning commission you know, has said, you know, we don't really want it to change all that much. However, we need to still go out to the community because ultimately that's just one network and this is just one opinion, Andy, right? But we need to hear, there's a whole demographic of people that are of a younger generation, perhaps, or lives in Steamboat, you know, that we have to consider that too and what might be valuable to them. But I think you're everybody- You're back to Sarah's point. Yeah. I was going to say, that's my yeah. concern is, well, it's you not, can't have a room with all these uneducated, not understanding a master plan, telling you what should be in a master plan that they don't even understand. They don't know what it is to begin with. So somehow at these meetings, you've got to have an educational tool, whether it's a piece of paper mm -hmm. or a quick presentation. Otherwise, the commissioners could be very unhappy with the results because they're going to hear from a bunch of crackpots that what we need to do is put up a fence on, you know, 40 and only let in the people we like. I mean, I swear, you you could wind up with some really bizarre ideas. Oh, bypass. Oh, the bypass. Yes. Well, well, but even if you hear they were shown up, those are those are still people's up. ideas, right? Be, like they can't be discredited, but they that might not be the majority. If they would just even show up and voice that opinion, I would consider that. You'd be happy. I would consider <laughs> that a success. That because true. that's people. But that's exactly that's what point. you're saying. But. That's exactly the point that I think the whole notion of um, participation, that is what makes it a success, yeah. is participation, because that's the success of the process. The product is a whole different thing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. to me too, is the topic. So like, if you can just get a specific topic, get people heated, and you can see 
where everybody lies on that kind of thing, that's going to tell us the most. Because if you kind of just go too general or yeah. something, yeah, yeah, you're just going to it's going to. And it's also you give them three choices, uh -huh. right? And this is almost the educational part where you know for some of the newer people to understand, and it's like you know. Do you, do you like this model, you know, um, this growth plan? Do you like this or do you like that? You know, um, and you kind of put bookends around it. Um, another idea is, you know, for people to try to understand, it's that, that simple question that we asked on the onset, but it, it is important to know why do, most, why do you live it here? Why do you, what do you love most about Route County? And most people are probably the majority, the top of that list is always, you know, open spaces, you know, or some sort of preservation is typically, you know, up there. Open spacing quotes. Yeah, there you go. Open, open space. Yeah. Quotes. So what does that mean? What does that mean to you? Open spaces for real. Okay, yeah, absolutely. But like what again, what we define as open space, one you know, person might call one thing, one person might call it another. Agriculture might be the word that encapsulates all of it in one forest. Uh, you know, like you can go on ten different things. Right, but right. It's gonna again if you can just even get the crack pots to come up to me, that would be successful. And 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 that is. <laughs> and believe it or not, that is something you guys actually agree upon. Absolutely. 100%. I mean that that's that's what I know. She and both Commissioner Redmond and Corrigan want most they want to hear from everybody whether it's a crackpot idea or not mm -hmm. i mean because that's what gonna, that's what's going to validate the process but another thing you know i thought that beth mentioned that i thought was also interesting is that she said one of the things that she doesn't want is a plan that's so general and so inclusive that includes every possible option so that right. in yeah. fact everybody can point to something in the master plan and say, see, this is important. You can't do that. That doesn't actually narrow things down that really will and, direct and to make Linda feel better. I mean, so that speaks to your comments. And Andy can attest, he's been on you know some of these meetings that we were all involved with with the uh, action items that are in the Steamboat Springs area mm -hmm. county plan. And that's what happened when that plan was adopted in 2006 is basically they took every comment they heard from people and put them into this plan as action items with over 150 and a lot of are actually incompatible like yeah, they yeah. Are completely so that is something that we're well aware and just because somebody makes a comment doesn't mean it has a place in the plan right. you never know where it's going to be exactly and, and exactly so we just have to be open-minded and, um, you know, and we need your help, you know, I mean, I really want planning commission to be involved in this process, um, because it, it's important, you know, um, and so I'm glad the five of you were at the meeting on Monday, and you're here today. But, um, so what we're going to do is, um, I will have, um, Cushing Terrell join our, um, our updates here, here and there um, to check in. Um, but I'll be providing you, you guys more informed as, as this plan is coming together as far as engagement schedule. Um, so Linda can uh, <laughs> be, be more um, in tune to what her schedule looks like in October. Yeah, I, I, as she's a process person also. The, um, I do, you know, snowmaking gets 
kicking up here in the next couple, you know, 30, 60 days coming up. So I will have some limitations. I don't know how that schedule will tumble out. Sometimes okay. Sometimes it doesn't, but that's you know, and I think what will be good too is, um, you know, so we'll be assigning community meetings um, to everybody. And then as well as we're going to be having the more focused um, themed meetings. Um, so when that goes out, um, you know, we will be looking for, um, you know, input and um, your participation in that as well. So it's going to be a fun couple of months, don't you worry. Are you going to decide that? Or are we going to decide it? Or is Kush and Tarot going to give us kind of a list and then we're going to kind of go down? I'll have a list. And so, so I would prefer to basically assign, if you will, um, you all to community meetings just so, you know, so just asking for a volunteer or <laughs> nobody wants to, you know, raise your hand type stuff. But I think when it comes to the more focused meetings, I'll give you guys the list and really encourage you guys to. Um, who's interested in what, you know, theme and make sure we have well representation. And then if I need to assign, I will, but um, <laughs> I think I can count on the five of you. <laughs> but this so, really goes out in the next six months in my head. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the bulk of this is going to be October, November into December is what we're looking at. I we're mean, the, the community meetings is hard. What's that? You're talking about this outreach part. Yes. And then the, the next, then after that is the nuts and bolts of way. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's where, yeah. the, once you gather the information, yeah. then you move on to synthesizing that information. Yep. And, then and right now, I mean, the way, the best way to explain it, um, you know, we're, we're building that scaffolding, right? So the community meetings are the base and we're building up from there and having it be more focused, but we are starting to add the concepts and um, really the base or the foundation of the plan um, at this point. And then we'll um, get into actually the nuts and bolts, if you will. All right. Good conversation. Anything else? Um, the next meeting that we have is October 7th. We have a meeting um, that Thursday, a special use permit for Thunderstruck. Um, uh, yeah. So they're coming in for a special use permit. Yes. They've been operating already. Oh, yeah. Yep. Where were they? Uh, they're like <laughs> north of Phoenix. Was that 179? Higher than 80. 80. In California Park. Yeah. I know one of the guys. I think. Fairly successful operation. Are they still based out of Stepo? They were. I don't know. Because they were operating where the villa is, and then they lost where they went because because <laughs> you told them they couldn't be there anymore. Uh, kind of. I, I said their sign was too big and their use wasn't appropriate. Then villa. You cracked. You cracked down. Yeah, and then the pond. The ponds were like, we we need a weed shop right there. We are here. Done. Um, the squinty. I'm just going to remind you. I know it's going to be fascinating. Oh, you're going to be done. I'm leaving. Sarah's out of here. Real <laughs> <Well>, fair. <laughs> you too. Uh. Yeah.